going on, everybody? This is Chris Starr with the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Appreciate you clicking on this bad boy. Today, I have Chance Airhands Baran back on again with me this week. We go over his perspective of the Nuisance Wildlife Control Operators Association Wildlife Expo. I don't know that I have to say wildlife twice, but I sure did. It's their yearly expo that they went down and had in Florida this year. So I get to hear his take from that. And we talk a little bit about elk hunting and kind of the here's and there's of what's going on in his and I's state, state of the union, state of our businesses, so to speak. And then what our plans are for the end of the year, we're going to kind of figure that out and a few other here's and there's. Yeah, folks, uh, we have had uh, some technical difficulties because my computer was just taking a dump in the middle of our recording. So with that said, hopefully the, the audio is not too all over the place. You might have heard a, a little bit of decent mic change at the end because I'm recording this on a Gen 3 AirPod. So hopefully it's not too shabby. I really hope it isn't. Really appreciate you guys listening. Leave us an awesome review if you could, please. That would be super great. Thank you guys once again for jumping on the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Enjoy myself and Chance Baran. Chance, what is good? I felt like it's been like 10 years. Right? It feels like I've been on the road for 10 years. Lots of driving <laughs> lately. How about you? Average amount of driving, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, the team and I just got back from Orlando, Florida for the 2022 Wildlife Expo. It was the best one yet, if I would say. I, I could venture to say that. All of the seminars were spectacular. You know, I feel like everyone learned a lot across the board. Nothing but a great time. Plus, you know, it was in Orlando, Florida, while Missouri, St. Louis was getting snow. So that was a nice break. Nice. When I was talking to Michael, he said it was a great one. It was. I loved it. I, I had a blast, you know, getting to see how everyone's businesses were doing, how everyone's been adjusting to new things in the industry, new innovation. It's like we really are in that golden era of nuisance wildlife control where, you know, it's, it's fun, it's unpredictable, you know, it's all fast. However, things are improving for the better. You know, so we're getting new technology, new equipment, you know, people are actually thinking, how can we do this better in a more professional way? And so getting to see all that in one place and actually learn new things and new tips that make our lives easier. It was awesome. Any new developments in skunk trapping? In skunk trapping, I would say check out wildlife control supplies. They have been Putting out some good stuff. Okay, um, son of Michael. I didn't see anything that caught my eye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like they they just recently put out some new like squirrel or raccoon trap. Something innovative, you know. Like I said, didn't see anything skunk related that caught my eye. Then again, I wasn't really looking for it as my favorite thing to to go after, but. No, it's nobody's favorite, but that's that's why I asked because you're you're saying that the new technologies and so I'm like, dude, is there anything that makes skunk trapping easier? I have 
I do so much of it and I hate it so much. I mean, the only thing that makes it slightly bearable is the rolled PVC tough traps that they don't spray in. But I mean, it's like, I don't have good luck with those on positive control at all. And normal trap sets just in the yard, you know, bait, mm-hmm. a baited trap set. Right. They're kind of hit or miss, you know what I mean? And and I do a really good job of cleaning the traps out and always fresh bait, you know what I mean? So yeah. I go as far as cleaning the traps out at the house, at that house, not my house. They don't have any of the truck smell on them at all, which, you know, is a myriad of, <laughs> it's a cacophony of aromas. Right. So, <laughs> so I always right at the house, I spray them down with deodorizer, sometimes ammonia, and then I wash them out with the hose right then and there in the yard, away from where I'm going to set so that the skunk is getting the freshest, cleanest trap that I can possibly give them. And so I just thought maybe you might have seen something that was like, whoa, this will revolutionize skunk trapping. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it'll come one day. There will be something. But it sounds like to me you're describing what I experienced with raccoons whenever Nicholas and I first went and opened up the Kansas City office where it's like, you know, usually, okay, you find out where they're getting in. Oh, look, basketball-sized hole in the side of the house. It's pretty <laughs> obvious. You know, you'll, you'll get your plan going as far as I'm going to set the trap, you know, right here, right over the hole or right next to it, mm-hmm. uh, funnel it in with, you know, positive control, the whole nine yards. That should be a done deal. Well, in Kansas City, these raccoons would see that and go, Yep, I'll spend the next six hours tearing straight through the roof deck to not go anywhere near what you've got going. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, as we always said, coming from like Louisiana, where you could just set, you know, a double door trap in the middle of a yard, spit on the yard, spit in it, and then you'll catch a raccoon the next day. (laughs) Next morning, there's a raccoon family. (laughs) And so it was just, it was weird. And it took a while for us to realize. We've got a lot of like cage shy raccoons or raccoons that have been, you know, they've been trapped by someone else and ran up the road to a different neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it took something that was always so straightforward to an extent, you know, everything's different, unique in itself, but usually predictable when it came to raccoons, especially if you put any kind of bait in there, it's like done deal, you know? For real. It was our usual cut and dry was in the yard, right. no positive control, wet and dry cat food, always mm. raccoons in there. Yep. Just some trial and error. You know, I think the, the thing that resolved the Kansas City dilemma with the raccoons was just time, experience dealing with them, you know, getting into their own unique space. You know, you've got to learn the area more. And, you know, as you continue to deal with these particularly annoying skunks you know oh geez there'll be some some breakthrough right i hope so or or just like give me like a dynamite bait that never misses you know what i mean oh yeah even this grub stuff you know it's like sticky and sweet i have no idea how it's supposed to smell like grubs it smells like jelly that i would want to put on toast and it looks like it too it's purple Hmm. juicy ish looking i don't know I don't know, it's supposed to smell like grubs, but even that's just kind of like, you know, sometimes, maybe, kind of a thing. You just need to make friends with some skunks there and, you know, do some taste testing and see what they like the most and then make yourself your own sticky skunk sauce, you know, put it in a jar. Hey, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) Get 
a domestic skunk. Sacramento skunk sauce. (laughs) Get a domestic skunk, somebody who has a pet, right? And do what they do. Have you seen this experiment? This guy had a bear, a little brown bear, or no, no, it was a black bear that was breaking into his beehives. So he bear-proofed his beehives, but then he put out cameras and then would <laughs> would literally put samples of honey, like a board, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know how you, we're going to taste test all these. He would do that with different honeys and see which one the bear would go to first. Mm. It was hilarious. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting little uh, experiment that's online that you can go and check out. Sometimes working with nature, you know, is the easiest route, <laughs> you know? Sometimes- oh, Pooh Bear. Simple, you know, just some experiments will get you the answer you need. Exactly. So maybe, maybe I need to put more banana peels in there or something. Yeah. I have been slacking on that. You know, one thing I didn't see tons of at the expo was trap monitoring aside from things that have it built in. Like if you're looking for modern mice, oh, they've got you. You know, there were several offerings. Really? Um, yeah, was, and I was I was intrigued Who by several of them. cares that much about mice? Well, again, on terms of making our lives easier, mice are one of those yeah. things that, you know, are we... Are very difficult. Yes, and not because mice are difficult to deal with, but because with everything else, there's some level of control that we have over the situation. You know, we come in and establish as much control as we can, gather as much intel as we can, et cetera, et cetera. Well, with mice... You know, we can get to a point where we've done all that we can do, but if certain environmental things don't change, like cleanliness or availability of food from pets, whatever it is. A completely disgusting hoarder garage. Right. And usually those are things that we can pick up on, you know, ahead of time. And, you know, we warn about, hey, well, this is obviously going to be a thing. Just like if you've got bird feeders in your backyard and it's like, well, oh yeah. Okay, let's deal with the obvious stuff first. But still, you know, you get to certain situations where I feel like if we had something that worked repetitively, you don't have to go and reset it, and it can be monitored, you know, to see how effective it is. There was a particular product that stood out, and I think if you check out our YouTube. We've got one video on, you know, the rodent traps and stuff. It didn't feature, I don't think it featured the one that I'm, that I was looking at, but it uses the CO2 cartridges. And I'm just thinking for someone who's already ready to deal with the problem, they want to implement something that's going to work, that they're going to be able to get some kind of measurable results from. It's difficult also for us as a business to offer things when it's like, you know, traditional traps, they work, but they require maintenance and resetting. And constant. Even yeah. if you're there, you know, every day to reset, if you're dealing with a lot of mice, wouldn't it, you know, really speed up the process if it could just, you know, bah, 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 take them out? And so factoring that into an estimate for someone who is at that point where they want results, they want a solution, I'm game. Like, you know, I, I think that price is never really an issue. And so just like, any of the other products we offer that come in like, you know, aluminum or steel, you can also get them in copper or brass, whatever you want. It's just usually someone's not trying to pay six times as much because they want a chimney cap made out of, you know, brass or something. Gold. It's, right. Solid you know? gold. Do you have platinum cutter, you know, gutters in, in <laughs> stock? Is that a possibility? It's like, what were you going to use for flashing? Well, we were going to use sheet metal. What about gold foil? <laughs> I was thinking cast iron instead. 
I, well, there, there's a price for everything, but we've got some weird requests for things over the years. I've had uh, strange color match options implemented, you know, where the customer went out and found a bunch of stuff and they're like, can you do it like this? I go, well, I can try, you know, Maybe. I, I definitely would love the experience in putting in whatever kooky thing you found. So there's alternative options. And for the trap, you know, with the mouse trap, like I said, traditional works, you know, it's, it's cheap and accessible, but something that would work again and again and again. Yeah. I like that idea. Just like if you had a pigeon trap that caught one pigeon versus one that can catch a lot of pigeons, you know, now I'm talking, mm, talking about birds. That's important. That's your language, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> More birds Man, in I the love bag. me some pigeon trapping. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple birds in the bag today. How was the uh, camaraderie of the whole thing? Like besides the, uh, you know, the innovation and whatnot, how was getting along with everybody? It was great. Everyone on our team, obviously, just great going, driving down, uh, driving back, lots of talk, lots of discussions. But even, you know, while we were in Florida at the Airbnb that Michael got and, you know, it's a very vacation setting vibe, but everyone's still on like Slack opening up, you know, um, our system for managing customers and talking about work. It's like classes have been over for three hours and we're still talking about what we took on notes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got lots of good stuff written down as well. What classes did you take? Mostly stuff oriented around growth of the company, you know, sales, driving cash flow, that kind of thing. One of the classes that really stuck out, I couldn't, can't remember the title, don't have the notes in front of me at the moment, but it's all pretty top of mind. It, it went over the different stages of company growth, and it was really good seeing what we've been doing, or at least what Michael's been implementing over the past several years, seeing why and seeing why at a certain time, so the win factor, you know, it puts a lot of perspective on things. And a lot of the stuff that may have seemed risky or, you know, it's like uncomfortable, that's because growth isn't cozy. That's not the cozy place. You don't want to be cozy. And so definitely not. it put all of that stuff that seems like risk into perspective as this is not risk. This is just calculated growth. This is... You take one step back to go two steps forward. And it's like completely changed and flipped the perspective of things for me. And seeing that it's like a stage one through six and we're breaking into five, being, you know, a financial figure, that's kind of what put it into the different brackets. But seeing we're right on the cusp of dialing everything in, getting our offices, you know, running even more smoothly, better profits, et cetera, et cetera. Seeing we're exactly where we need to be was a very reassuring thing. You know, there was some little gold nuggets here and there of if you're not growing the company, then you need to be getting it positioned to sell it. And I was like, oh, I might as well write that on the glass of my windshield, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, if you're a little kid and it's like, oh, you know, you're not playing with the thing. You want me to take it away? It's like, no, 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 you know. Kind of fires you up. It's like it's like where's the company going? Where's the company growing right now? It's like oh well, it's not. It's like okay, well you need to sell it. It's like whoa 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 what? Whoa! It's like well, down, Maurice. If you're not doing anything with it, you need to do something with it. It's you know it was a good good little thing just to get you fired up. It keeps you you know like I said, it may be one step back, two steps forward, but it's the 
forward momentum, you have to continue or else I'm getting kind of <laughs> cliche and stuff at this point with it. But you get what I'm saying. It was cool to hear everything, you know, at least just from the past few years, too, with how everyone's been super uncertain with stuff here and there to see, nope, right on track. Awesome, you know. And then all of our team seeing that as well for the ones that were in those classes, office staff, they got to see, okay, this is where we're heading. Because obviously, if we're already at this stage, we're looking at all these benefits, all these fattening up of the offices per se. Yeah, that's what we need to do. That's right on the horizon, except it's not me telling them it. It's not you or Michael. It's someone, you know, a third party going, y'all got it going Mm. right where it needs to be. Not too fast, not too slow. You've got control of the handlebars. Enjoy the ride. Keep pedaling. And so, yeah, it was good stuff. So I took a lot of those kinds of things. Also took um, ceiling log cabins because that. Oh, boy. Because, Chris, I don't know about you, but I've got a log cabin that I just, you say log cabin. And I'm like, Ugh, I know. I, I can think of it right now. You know, that one specific one. And of course it's bats. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course it is. Oh, oh, you have one too? I have one too. And so, jeez. They can be a pain, folks, for those yeah. of you that don't know, because they are, I mean, there's a reason we don't build them anymore. There's a reason that the vast majority of humanity like doesn't live in log car. cabins anymore. Yeah, it's, that's a project. You don't fall in love with the destination. You love, you fall in love with the journey, the maintenance, you know, <laughs> the craftsmanship that's a, a living, breathing, Do and you? oh boy, does it breathe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Breathes about mm-hmm. six inches sometimes, just oh, logs ugh. moving. But anyways, I, I did learn, you know, chinking techniques and proper product application. Learned that it's a lot more intricate than I expected it would be, mostly because there's conditions, UV exposure, temperature, all of those kinds of things factor into doing the work, not just the inspection. And so it's not just like a look for where there's holes. It's look for absolutely everything, you know, take out the thermal camera, scan the home, record that oh, data. Wow. Yeah, it's um, That's a good idea. Puts perspective on the price as well, you know, kind of like uh, fictional numbers, you know, say another company comes out for bats, they tell them three, 400 bucks. We come out, we tell them, you know, two, 2000 something dollars. And they're like, what? And it's because it's apples to oranges. We're not just treating a symptom. We're getting you to the point where you never have this problem again. Well, Yes. You know, looking at the difference between those two estimates and, you know, something that would just be, okay, looking at a log cabin in terms of here's what's open right now. And here, you know, we could stuff something in there. Looking at the difference between what that price would be and these huge five-figure estimates that they're talking about. I'm like, wow, how do we get to that? And by the end of the class, I understood it's a science, you know, something I'd love to implement the next time I see one. If a uh, log owner is game, but not very often, it's usually one of those, hey, do y'all come out to Formaldehyde, Missouri, you know, random. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's just really out there, isn't it? Like, Where is that? Uh, it's about an hour and... It's right past Paris. Three-eighths past... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so you got back to St. Louis. Is the snow still there? Has it melted at all? Not really melted much. I mean, enough that like the sun came out, 
turned it to liquid, and then it refroze. So enough for there to be more ice problems. Yay. I definitely had to dig my truck out of the snow to get it rolling. So, because I parked on top of a 12 pitch hill. (laughs) (laughs) The freaking hill, dude. Chances Hill is bananas. Hey, but I've got four wheel drive now. So it was all good. Worked wonders. Y'all haven't had any uh, fresh powder your way? No. Mm. No, it's been a while. But my farmer friend who just messaged me about Bible study tomorrow, it's going to be at his house, which is awesome because like, so he's got a a smaller house. But what that means is we're going to do Bible study around the freaking campfire. Right. Which is awesome. That is cool. (laughs) Anyway, he said that apparently it's supposed to... You know how farmers they they know this. Yeah. You know, they know the lay of the land. It's gonna it's supposedly gonna start raining again in March. Because pe- people are already asking around here, like, huh. so is that is that the last of the rain for the year? <laughs> 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 you know? Wildfire season's right around the corner. <laughs> um <laughs> but apparently it's gonna start raining again here in March. And so to answer your question, so hopefully up in the mountains there will be some fresh pow. That would be pretty sweet. Mm. While I've been sliding down my driveway, I've been thinking I wish I had a snowboard, you know, <laughs> just so I'd be a little bit more controlled of a descent. Right. Yeah. Plus seeing there's a, there's a few hills around here that I was like, hey, you buy a sled or something. Not resort. Yeah. It's not what you've got, but. Yeah. A snowboard and all of the gear isn't really great for a uh, 10 to 15 second slide. Absolutely Shoot, not. if that. No. Maybe five to 10. I want it to be. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, dude, uh, I got dangerous. Man, oh, dude. So, okay, so this this winter couldn't really swing anything because you were fresh in St. Louis. You had to get situated and, and like settled in, right? But man, dude, this coming winter, we got to get you out here. Do you think, oh, I don't know. You know how Michael just freaking Ebenezer Scrooge McDuck over there. <laughs> You know, pulling me or you, you know, his two lead guys off of work, just like stands his hair on the back of his neck and he flares out. He's like, what? Yeah. And he hisses at it. That's how it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. You ain't making no money. I I say that with love, everybody. Michael's not that big of a a miser. You know what I mean? That's why we can joke about it. That's why we can joke about it. Because like, if we weren't laughing, then there would be an issue. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, that, that's the thing is because he is always so like buku generous with everything. And anytime he's like, what? $17. It's like, what are you yeah. talking about? Oh, no, no, no. You want to leave for a week? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes uh, it's, it, those are the, because it's like, yeah, I know, I know what time of the year it is. A lot of things are happening right now. <laughs> oh, dude. That's why uh, he hates that I elk hunt in September, man. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Speaking of which, good segue, has that been brought up at all lately? Man, we've been so slam-packed, whack-busy, uh, we haven't even... Not even on no, the radar. No, it's... It, that's, oh, that's dude, the yeah, one you need a bow, my man. <laughs> the one time, yeah, I mean, the only times that he and I actually cross paths haven't been, like, enough downtime to talk about that kind of stuff. It's just been like, what uh, is there ever, hey, right? Did you get that thing? Yeah, I was just about to ask you. I got that. Did you get this? Yep. All right. Well, I'm going here. I'm going here, which is awesome because 
when we're on the same page, it, it's nice. It's nice. So do you think that like once it starts to warm up there that you'll have time to time to like get a bow and shoot, you know, like once you guys get some more daylight, do you think you'll have that like a little bit of your own downtime, you know what I mean? I'm sure I will. Once things get more settled in, you know, it's just been fast paced because things are they've got a different pace around here because of that teamwork, that camaraderie, accountability, you know, it's uh one of those things I find myself, you know, stocking things up and getting geared up for something I'm going to go do or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. something comes up in the team and it's just like, well, definitely going to go help with this. This is awesome. I'm not missing out on whatever these guys just found, you know, so. Pigeon shooting. Yeah, anything. They've got some cool accounts here, especially with the, the bird shooting. Pest bird elimination, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How's that new, it Make uh, it sound a little more How's that new rifle? Dude. Oh man. So for, for those, um, I just got, you know, what Michael suggested It is a, not a Krav Magra. It's a crawl, which is Turkish for King puncher breaker silent. Yeah. It's, it's pretty entry level. It's like a, it's like a $500 gun and then a couple hundred dollars scope. And then a few hundred dollars here's and there's on other things like the tank and, you know, scope rings and this and that, but like I'm starting to get good with it. You know what I mean? Like mm. you have to marry yourself basically to your weapon. Yeah. And breaking it in because it, it was, uh, it's not brand new, but it was refurbished. You know what I mean? So everything has to be broken in just like any kind of gun. Yeah. And I'm learning where I'm sighted in at like 30 yards, which is perfect for me basically. So I'm starting to get really freaking good with it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, dude, it's so nice. So there's a lot of invasive species there as well, but anywhere basically that, that people can shoot, you know, within the legal laws of wherever you're at. And so I do most of my shooting in the middle of nowhere, just like farmlands as far as the eye can see, basically. So it's not in a town limit, so you can shoot an air rifle. And it's suppressed. And there's pigeons, starlings, collar doves, house sparrows out the wazoo. And so you can shoot those as any, anytime you want because they're non-natives. Hmm. And so I'm just freaking out here causing havoc, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just laid it but down. Hey, hey, back to the bow thing, man. I really want you to go elk hunting in September this coming. Yeah, I think I'll be able to hunt this year if... You know, things get settled in at a good pace and keep on the same track. I mean, everything's been falling into place since we got over here, especially once the snow clears and we're able to catch back up from this this past trip. Right now, things mm. are getting uh, postponed because of what is darn ice. Well, apparently, it's not safe to go up on a roof whenever it's covered in ice or something. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, right? Like, <laughs> whatever. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> joking. I mean, we've all done dumb stuff, but there's, there's a limit. Anywho. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's uh once, once things, you know, melt a little bit, get caught back up. We'll see what, you know, February, March is looking like we are in that time of year where things are cold, things are breaking in, but we don't have spring boom yet. I am no, ready no, for no, spring boom. Yet. My spring boom's almost here. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, it's like, I'm happy and sad at the same time. Like the trees are starting to bloom. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm happy 
in that money's coming. It's, it's on the way. You know what I mean? Right. Like once everything's in bloom, like all of the orchards and stuff, what are we mid February now? Like end of February, early March. That's when the bats start to come back. And that is when the money, money, money starts to come back in. Yep. So when, oh, I guess you haven't been there. Oh, I mean, you can remember from Kansas City. When does that start to pick back up? I mean, really, it's right before the blackout season. You know, the time when young bats are born and you can't exclude adult females from their young. Because like come, you know, mid-March, early April, that's Mm -hmm. whenever it's like, okay, it's consistently warm. We know any excluders that go up or have been up are now fully functional. Any bats that were inside would have left, you know, not been able to get back in. We can remove those one-way doors and then make final repairs. So that's around that time because up until that time, we're looking at uncertainty of, yeah, we've had warm, warm weather, you know, four or five nights. It was, it was warm, you know, enough for bats to wake up and most of them probably have left. However, we leave things on like seven to 10 days of warm nights consistently. Because we know at that point, without a shadow of a doubt, there's no way they could have stayed inside. And so right about that time is when things really start to pick back up. People start calling in, and then it's a rush and a scramble for them to get on our schedule before May. Mid-May is when we start seeing young. And once, once we see young, Really? That's you it. see young in May, dude? Dude, it's sometimes... I guess mid-May. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, I say mid-May because we, we play it safe. You oh, know? yeah, May- yeah. Just like August 1st in some areas is really playing it safe. You know, oh, we wait till August 1st. It's like, okay, well, we know by then there's no young unless we have a specific weird, weird anomaly, you know, some colony we've been monitoring where we're like, you know, we showed up. Most of the young bats are almost volant where they're able to fly, leave independently of the adult females. Ooh, there's a new term chance learned this last week. Buddy, I've been fully <laughs> topped off on bats for the Volent. past five years. That's been a part of my normal spill because it's the proper what? word. Yeah, it's it's not like, oh, fully flighted. Da, da. Yeah, it's volant, you know, when they're able Volent. to actually do their weird little bat flight, you know. It's a yeah. unique pattern of flippity-flappity through the air. So, you know. Volant. Volant, yes. But, yeah, around May, that's when we start keeping our eyes peeled. And usually at the end of that time, if we can't confirm, you know, that there's no young, we assume. Yeah. If you can't confirm that this is, oh, this is just a bachelor colony. It's only male bats. There's no young present. It's one area, you know, this section, there's no hidden variables. Other than that kind of situation, go off of the evidence, not on, oh, well, we happen to see the bats here out there, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Dude, I can almost never access them out here. No. It's crazy. It's maybe one out of a hundred inspections. You really get that. Oh, there they are. Look, they're crawling really? all over the place. Yeah, I, I think so. At, at least Even in my there? experience. I'd say it's less. Uh, one out of 200 easy in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, in Kansas City. But I thought St. Louis, from what I can remember, I, I remember seeing them all the time there. Wow. In the structures. It's like it's one of those things. In Kansas City specifically, just because I have a lot of experience in that, that part of the, the country, when we would find bats, like, oh, there they are. You can see them. 
usually that was not a good sign. That meant that there were so <laughs> many that they were spilling into the attic space, essentially. Yes. Or, you know, they're getting in by a chimney or something, and the whole blank space, that little tight bat house area of their home is filled. And so you see them in the attic because there, there's no more room right there next to the chimney. I wonder, some of these St. Louis homes, you know, the three and a half downtown buildings. Ooh, yeah. I wonder if one of the reason why we always saw them is like, oh, yeah, nowhere else for them to go. You know, you pop open a little hatch into the crawl space and, oh, yeah, the ceiling's moving. Wonderful. Yeah, there's only just like one layer up there. You know, it's, it's just yeah. the brick, you know. Yep. Yeah, they squeeze in on the top of the brick, and then on the other side of the brick, there's nothing else, you know. Yeah. Newer construction is a lot different than that. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a mo- lot more variety over here than there was in Kansas City of homes. You know, you, you really do get a grab bag of construction here. There's way more 100-year-old homes there. Mm, makes sense. Lots of brick. What's the, the majority of things that you come across in your territory, what's like your number one? You're going out to an inspection. Is it consistent? You never know what you're going to get. As far as what? Just types of homes. You know, Kansas City was, you know, super cookie cutter, nothing but roof to soffit junctions. You're not slapping on roof vent guards anymore. Almost never. You know, just like Kansas City, it sounds like. Like if I get called out for squirrels, I'm like, okay, it's right. roof to soffit junctions, almost always. Which is nice, right? Nothing wrong with that. It's all pretty uniform. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I got a bunch of uh, baby four-figure jobs that I'm selling. You know, I just sold a, an 18, a 15, and a 12 that I'm going to do here over the next few days. Pretty soaked about. I'm pretty sure they're all squirrel and roof to soffit junctions. Mm. You can hit those out pretty quick. Yeah. One thing I've been excited for about jobs like that, though, is it opens you up to really do the best like sheet metal kind of repairs that you can. That's one thing in the expo we learned more about sheet metal. Obviously there's always yeah. more room to improve on that, you know, for real, you can use it to pretty much keep anything out of any area, you know, for the most part, unless it needs to vent, mm-hmm. which over there you've got, got some sun, you've got some, you definitely need to have good, good structure on your vents, whatever kind of vents you got. Almost no ridge vents. Oh, so you're not just throwing down tons of ridge guard, which is a product that stays moving here, I tell you. For real? Wow. Ridge guard, ridge armor, you know, whichever product the customer decides they want to go with. Is there a price difference between those two? Just kind of depends, yeah. I mean, you know, there's definitely pros and cons. Depends on what kind of shingle you're putting it on. It's all stuff that we, at least I, in my estimates try to take photos of what they have and then show them examples of things installed, you know, and then explain the differences in the material, you know, what the difference is. And this one comes in sections like this. Now that you can see it, this is the hardware that comes stock with each, et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, some folks want to pay more, pay a premium for a product that feels a different way, you know? And so I put both. That's a good idea. Yeah, people love options. They do, especially if there is like price difference, but it's, you know, kind of law of diminishing return. You're making an investment no matter what. It's just, is this extra premium worth, you know, peace of mind for you or 
you just put on a 15, 25, whatever your life roof, you may want to go with the one that you know, you know, it's oh, just for real. super, super solid in the hand. Like they you just know? spent 30 G's on a roof, you know? Yeah. What's, you know, an extra, depends on the size of the house. There's no telling. <laughs> What's an extra grand for like nicer? Super reinforcement. You know, it's, and you explain yeah. to them, hey, this is what you've got up there. Plastic material or whatever kind of material ridge, ridge vent that's gone up. And, you know, show them what's going on there. And obviously, any kind of guard is, is better than just stock with pretty much any kind of roof of product these days. It's all designed to be disposable, you know. They don't go up there and carefully take these things off. They're going up with pry bars, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> real. That's another thing we have to mention is anything we put on, we spent good time making it very good, you know, put up there very well. And take offable. Right. So if you get your roof replaced, you can let us know and we can come out and make sure the materials you bought aren't just ripped off with a scraper. <laughs> For real, which is what most of them come off with. Do you think that come after the summer, mm-hmm. Michael and Cole's power combined, do you think the YouTube channel will be like popping to the point that they're going to want to do a bunch more like crazy adventure stuff? Probably. I think they're really already venturing into that, especially with this trip that we just had, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Aren't they still there? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) they didn't ride back with us. You know, they're sending video or photos and stuff of them messing with gators and yeah, who knows? Who knows, man? They're into something right now. I think they've already started to hit the uh, adventure aspect of things, especially with the yeah. travel they've been doing. You know. Yeah. So the reason I ask that is because, like, so, dude, for the YouTube channel, you know what I mean? Like, trying to get, trying to lock in some good epic elk hunting adventures. Like, that's great stuff, and a lot of people watch that. You know, like if you title it properly and put the proper thumbnail, and I'll help Cole do that. That can get 100K plus views. If, if we're successful, you know, we kill a good bull, we do it through archery and tag everything properly. Oh, yeah. That could be, you know, just another facet of what we do. Like, especially if we take multiple animals on a specific hunt, you know, spread them out within a, through a couple videos. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Of course, you know, I, obviously I'm going <laughs> to err on the side of getting everybody involved in my passion. And that's what you want to do whenever you are a part of a group like this, as we all have our unique strengths and interests, and it all blends together. You know, you dabble in things that I like, I get into the things that you like, and it, it makes for a much more well-rounded, bold adventure. You know, adventure. Exactly. That's all it is. That's really what it is. You know, again, you got to be passionate about the journey. And Cole's definitely one of those guys that loves to document the passion in the journey so he's down for it what i'm saying basically is there's no way that that's coming to fruition without him being somewhere with the camera i mean yeah i don't i don't think that that would happen because that's that's high adventure you know that's that's the kind of stuff that it's actual adventure we talk about screwing stuff the roofs keeping this you know we do a lot of things but then there's the highlights through a bunch of traps right then there's the stuff where it's like 
if we could, if we had the resources to bring y'all with us, so you could watch what we do in some of our our things that you know we we get into these trips. That's the stuff we want to show off. Well, now with Cole, he's getting it all. He's always rolling, you know. He is. Now we can start documenting some of that stuff, especially. You remember we were in Louisiana when Michael first wanted to start strapping GoPros onto every falconry thing that we had. Uh He purchased, put one on the giant hood. That way when birds come back and they think it's over, catch some footage of them coming back. (laughs) The birds would always think it was... Freaking GoPro T-perch, yes. Yeah, they would think it was something weird going on at first until you slipped that first squirrel and they're like, I don't care about that camera. Exactly. Um, Oh, man. All the GoPro days. And I mean, we still, we still use GoPro. <laughs> right. But we, he was an early adapter, though. I mean, we bought like a whole round of second and third generation GoPros. Wow. You know, back when you had to buy little modules for like, oh, you want it to be wireless? Yeah, here's an adapter. You want it to have a touch Ugh. screen on the back? That's a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They weren't as small and easy to throw on a selfie stick. Obviously, they they were pretty great, but eh, low light, underwater, eh, not so great. No, not back then. Not back then. But now, oh, man. everything gets a camera. Oh, for real, dude! Now I'm all now I'm all jacked up. Yeah, now I'm all jacked up on the possibility of like the entire gang coming out because you, me, Michael, Cole, dude, that's a squad, bro. Right, and then a guide. Michael, because Michael's like, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't trust me enough to be able to guide us into elk. And so, man, if he wants to, I mean, 5Gs, it's not terrible, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a usual guide fee for like a week for two hunters usually. Solid experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for a solid experience for, for a guy who knows the area, who knows the herds, where they like to go, probably decent at calling bulls in. You know, it's setting up like good shot angles. That's the going rate, basically. Five G's for a week. Not bad. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd say once you know what goes into the value, you see the value. Exactly. And like those guys guide the archery season, the rifle season, and then they have to guide a few other seasons. Like maybe they're a turkey and a spring bear guide. Yeah. But dude, like if they're just a guide, that's their money. You know what I mean? Right. That's their income for the year, basically, is, is in the guiding seasons. And, and a lot of guides will guide uh, fishing in the summer to supplement. I sure as heck would, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like horseback trail riding. Yeah, that's right. That's the thing. They'll help trail rides and stuff like that. Yeah, like some people will think, oh, that's expensive. But like, dude, think about that's That's what they specialize in. And so mm-hmm. that's how they make their money. And that's their money for the year is within like this four month window. Right. I I mean, you're going to get your money's worth because that's where they get their money, you know? Exactly. If you know, you know, you know? Yes. And I do. And I do. I'm actually going on a guided hunt next week. Oh. Up in Oregon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the uh, Oregon cow elk season extends into later February. And so they give out these damage control tags for cow elk, female elk that come down onto private land in the winter yeah, and like mess with people's crops. And so they'll, my guide fee is basically just paying like a trespass fee and for his time, of course. Yeah. 
And, you know, he sets up like the blind and stuff like that. And then we will hunt the cows on the private land that come and eat like the hay and stuff. That sounds like a great time, man. Yeah, it's just a quick, the, the hunt itself is only two days, you know? And then, so it's going to be like a day drive there, day drive back, that sort of a thing. That just seems like it relieves a lot of the, not stress, but you know, that, I, I mean, it just seems like such a, a good one. And when are you going on this? Next week. Next week. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel, I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like every time I talk to you, you Something else is on the horizon as far as, <laughs> as Dude, something come down, on, bro. man. That's why. why. <laughs> something down. I mean, last week it was Idaho. Elbow Next deep. Week it's elbow deep in a... Here it's Chris Starr. Sorry I can't come to the phone right now. I'm elbow deep in a groundhog den. Oh, I'm trying I to get out. So I will call you back after I'm finished wrangling this whistle pig. Thanks. Have a great day. The OG voicemail. Not OG, OG. But just one of them. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you and Michael both used to stay on the comedic the voicemails. Super, I didn't get back to that, man. It used to be like resets every Sunday, you know, after church. <laughs> after we go to Chef Lee's. Oh, Chef Lee's. Shout out to Chef Lee's. <laughs> it's probably one of those things if we went back today. Oh, you know, the one thing I haven't mentioned to anybody the one thing that mm. happened on the trip that I've been ecstatic about since what? is we went to this place. We had a, like an hour. We went to Old Town, you know, a classic kind of amusement park themed thing, uh, boardwalk almost. And mm-hmm. there is a shop there that has two old, barely hanging on for dear life slush puppy machines. And I've been waiting to oh, find one of boy. those. Wow. I don't know, a decade. I was so excited. I took photos with the machines, the whole nine yards. <laughs> I can send them to you. Anyways. Yes, please. Oh, my God. It, it was so great, except it was not as good as I remembered it. But I'm almost certain it's because, I mean, obviously, it's been over a decade since I've had one. Those machines have been running that long. Maybe they've changed. The little pebbles of ice used to be bigger. Anywho. Yeah. Things change over time, but... I mean, if you go back and watch Yu-Gi-Oh!, it's like, how did we uh, watch this? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We were as dumb little kids at the time. We just wow, I wish I had the heart of the cards. <laughs> uh, some, some old handheld games. I'm like, how did I spend hours playing this game? It's because that's the game we had. Super Monkey Ball. Remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. Fond memories. Chance, thank you. Thank you for jumping on with me. It's a pleasure as always. All right, you guys, go hit up our YouTube channel. We're dropping that hot fire every week, multiple times a week. Shout out to Cole. He's out there kicking butt and taking names. And hopefully, he's going to be uh, giving the old uh, podcast some shout outs on the YouTube channel because Michael's got those. He's got a his subscriber count is going up. No joke. Yeah, it's getting up there. So, Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate you guys. I'm going to keep cranking these puppies out because I love them. Chance, Air, Hands, Baran. We're going to keep doing these every week. Right on. <laughs> right on. Good sign off. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Have a good night, day, whenever you're listening to it, other times. God bless. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, aka Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.